Today's message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. Pastor Jason Swanson is our senior pastor here at RBC, and this message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning service times. Pastor Jason is currently in a series he's calling the Walk Through the Book of Acts, Jesus at Work. This morning we're in Acts chapter 14, looking at verses 19 through 28. Pastor Jason has entitled this sermon, The End of a Journey. Turn there now as we continue in our walk through the book of Acts study, Jesus at Work. Here's Jason. Welcome again to to Rancho Baptist Church. I am Pastor Jason, the senior pastor here, and I, I get the privilege of walking us through the book of Acts. And you can turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 14. As we will be actually wrapping up Acts chapter 14, and this, this may surprise you, but we are going to be halfway through the book of Acts, unless the Lord comes halfway into this sermon, and, and then we won't make it through the book of Acts, but that'd be okay. I've entitled this sermon this morning, The, the End of a Journey, and I'm certain as I throw out some some questions to you all that, that to a certain extent you can relate in one way or another. I'm certain that we've all gone on vacation at some point in our lives. Or at least we've moved from one place to another place. And and, and as you're moving or, or as you're now heading home, say on your vacation, or let's say that you, in your work, you end up going overseas, as was the case with us in our... In, in our missionary endeavor. You know what would happen is we'd, we'd, we'd go from point A to point B to point C to point D and we'd have all these mini destinations in, in between, right? Little, little connecting flights and, and we were never certain when we got from one point to the next point whether or not our, our connecting flight was going to get us on or not. And I'm sure it was the same for you to a certain extent Especially if you traveled overseas or, or moved from one side of the of the country to the other, there's a point where you get to the to the end of your journey, right? And and at that point, it would be for us flying into LAX, like no other airport, at least that we flew through through throughout the world. When we came to LAX, there, there, there was just a jubilation and excitement. Why? Because we were home. Why? Because they treated us better than everywhere else for some strange reason. It was God's grace. They never even looked at all of the suitcases we were bringing home. They just said, oh, you're coming back from overseas. Welcome. Go right ahead. And you know what I look most forward to when we came home was... Getting back home, you know, sleeping in our own beds. And no doubt that that's what, what you would think about as well, right? When, when you went somewhere and then you came back home and you, and you saw that the finish line was before you, you were now home and you couldn't wait to get back to your own bed. Well, rewind a little bit and, and let's say that you finished the job, you, you finished your, your little journey that you were on, whether that was moving from point A to, to point B, or you were on vacation and now you were, you were coming home, and just as you got to the place to where you could see the finish line, you knew, okay, you are close to your hometown. 
you decided, you know what, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to go back the way that we came, even though I'm already home. No doubt at that point you would say, well, no, 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 that's 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 the worst idea ever, Jason. We are home. We're only an hour away. We just landed in LAX. What are you talking about that you now want to go back and, and retrace all of your steps and what we've been doing for, for all this time? And yet this morning, that is exactly what we're going to see. That's what we're going to see with Paul and Barnabas as they finish their first missionary journey. They're going to get to a point when they get to Derby that they're only so many miles away from Antioch, from where they left, from their sending church, from what would it would be home for them. But instead of continuing on and, and going straight and getting home so much faster, they turn around and they go back the other way. Well, why is that? What would encourage them? What would challenge them to do such a thing? And the reason why they do this is because they wanted to finish well. They recognized that that really, to a certain extent, their journey wasn't completed yet. Because all they had done in all these churches was tell of the gospel of Christ. But they had not established the churches. They had not been used by the Lord as of yet to grow those churches up. And and what were they vitally concerned with? The spiritual maturity of the believers there. And so we have some things to learn this morning. That we are temporary travelers. And for all of you who have never gone overseas and come back, or for those of you that that haven't gone on a long journey and and this doesn't make any sense to you, let let me tell you that you too are a traveler. that, That you are on a temporary journey. And it's not so much if you will travel, it's, 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 it's two questions. How will you travel and how will you end the journey that the Lord has for you? And that's what we're going to see this morning. So turn with me to to Acts chapter 14, verses 19 to 28. As we see the, the end of a journey, it's just a journey. This is one of three journeys that the Apostle Paul will go on. But he has some lessons for us to learn for those of us that are still on our journey. And even for us as a church. For in this too, the context of, of all that we will be looking at this morning is a missionary context. That that is what the Apostle Paul is doing. And that is something too that we will gleam. The importance of the missionary effort. The fact that the gospel must continue to go forth. But it's so much more than that as we will see. So starting with verse 19. And really picking it up from where we left off last week. As Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra. And remember they had just gotten to the point to where all these people in Lystra were bringing out animals to sacrifice to them. And Paul and Barnabas stopped them. But Jews came from Antioch and and Iconium. And having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, 
encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and came into Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Isn't that sweet? Let me open our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that we would truly bask in Your grace. That we would see Your grace as evidenced, written here before us on the pages of Your Holy Scripture, Lord. Your wonderful Word. Your Word that is alive and active. And we pray this morning that You would allow that living Word to work upon our hearts this morning. To cause us to see You more clearly. To understand the journey that You have set before us as individuals and as a church, and that you would be honored now as we dig into your wonderful word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in these verses, we see the continuation of what we looked at last week, right? This first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. And what we're going to see in particular this morning are six lessons. Six lessons learned on the journey that the Lord has them on. And and I think you could actually look at them as as six signposts that that they plant in the ground as they're going along. Signposts that you and I, we should look at. And we should gain an understanding of of what matters most in this journey so that we can journey well, so that we can finish strong, just as the Apostle Paul and, and Barnabas do. And yet, as we look at some of these lessons, they're not easy lessons. Because the things that are presented that will be expected in our lives are not always easy, but also fruitful. Oh, so helpful. And the first thing that we see is this. That we should expect trials. Because they will come. And, and we've seen this, not here just in chapter 14 of Acts, but we've seen, seen this since the beginning of the church. And so we shouldn't be surprised when trials come our way. Look, look at verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, And having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So so what has happened here? This is a major reversal, right? What we saw last week was that the people of Lystra were so excited about what Paul had done and and this miraculous encounter with this man who was paralyzed, that, that after he tells this man to stand and he stands, what do they do? They, they want to bring him sacrifices. And, and Paul and Barnabas have to stand up and stop them from, 
worshiping them. And, and now we see that this is completely flipped the other way around and they're actually trying to kill them. And notice who it is that instigates all of this. Jews from Antioch and Iconium. Do, do you remember how far away Antioch is? In order for these guys to actually show up in Lystra and do what they do, they must have left days before this. And so what do they do? They travel this hundred mile journey. And again, they're not getting in cars. They're not getting in an airplane. They're not getting in a train. They are walking. And why would they walk so far? Is it because Paul and Barnabas stole some money from them? Oh, they stole their car? Well, that's the way you and I would think in order for you to go after somebody like this. Or perhaps they hurt their family. Perhaps they stole one of their children. That's the kind of thing where I would go after somebody like this. But no, that is not what they are all about. They are all about their religious beliefs. When it comes down to it, their hearts have just been pulled and pricked. And and really, their their hearts are now exploding. and, And they are in so much anger and hostility that they can't just leave that alone. And so what do they do? They seek after them. And they go to Iconium. And remember what happened in Iconium back in verse 6 of chapter 14. What did they want to do there? They were coming up with a plan to do harm to Paul and Barnabas. And what did they do as a result? Well, then they left that city. So no doubt it wasn't too difficult to stir up a group to go along with them from Iconium. And so then they arrive here. And we clearly see that we should expect trials just as the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were running into trial after trial after trial. And somehow they come and they convince this crowd that that we don't know how much time has lapsed since they were ready to worship them, but somehow they come in and they convince this whole group that Paul and Barnabas, they're wrong. That they're obviously not gods because they wouldn't want to stone a god. And so they convince them, oh yes, just as they told you they weren't gods, they are not gods. In fact, they're misrepresenting our God, Yahweh, and they're misrepresenting your gods. And as a result, what happens? This whole crowd comes up and and turns on these two guys. On Paul and Barnabas. And this is a good lesson for us. Why? Because we should not follow the crowd. And I, and I know that that makes sense when you're in junior high school or possibly in a high school. You, everybody is always telling you, hey, don't follow the crowd. Don't give in to popular opinion. But even in Christian circles, we can do that at times. And look at what it causes for, for these men. It causes them to actually try to kill the Apostle Paul. For us, the, the consequences could be that some the latest and greatest book that, that all Christians are, are reading. Well, it might be good, but it might not be good. Don't just follow popular opinion. Follow what God's Word says. And as you are reading a book, if some things aren't jiving with, God, with, God, with what God's Word says, well then, set that book aside. Don't just follow because everybody else is reading it. But recognize that the Word of God needs to be the thing that that determines where we go. What occupies our time. And and notice this too. What's so peculiar about this is we're talking about Jews. 
And so as far as the religious belief system goes, who, who are they most like? Paul or all these people from Lystra? They were most like Paul. They had the same scriptures as Paul. When, when Paul would preach to them, he's using their own scriptures. These people in Lystra, they're pagans. They had nothing in common with the Jews. And yet they come there and they rally them all together and say, oh, we're on the same page for this particular purpose. Why is that? Because they were so prideful. Because they were not willing to listen to the very Word of God that Paul was preaching, which was the Word that they knew. I think on top of that, you know what else? Somehow they got mixed up in their minds as to who the real enemy was. And they now looked at Paul. They they had to look at Paul as an enemy. An enemy that was worth traveling some 100 miles to go after. And I think if, if, if we stop for a minute and we look at our own lives, at, at times, we do the same thing. We, we treat someone like an enemy who is not an enemy. Even in our own homes at times, right? When the Word of God would, would say to us, you know what the enemy is? The enemy is your flesh. The enemy is the devil. The enemy is the wor- The world. And so we, we must not follow the way of, of the Jews here and how they determined that Paul was indeed their enemy when all Paul was doing was doing what the Lord told him to do, what the Lord tells all of us to do in, in Luke 9.23, to take up your cross and follow Him. And, and that is what the Apostle Paul was doing. And he was willing to take up that cross even if it meant rocks upon his head. But it, he, he doesn't just teach us that we need to expect trials. For the, the Word of God goes deeper and he, and he lets us know too that we need to do something. At, at times when we, when, when we find ourselves in the midst of a crazy trial, a crazy tribulation, something that is just too much for us, what do we want to do? Sometimes we just want to stop. And we just want to raise our hands up in the air and say, okay, no more. I, I, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. And yet we don't see that. Look at, look at verse 20. And the way that they responded, all the ways that they could respond, this is the way they respond. What did they do? They end up doing something. When I say do something, to do something in accordance to God's Word, not do something sinful. But while the disciples stood around them, He got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derby. Notice what's going on here. Okay, so they stone Paul, and, it, and it's difficult to know if they actually stone Paul outside the city, which is usually what they would do. And remember, this is, some, this is dropping a heavy stone upon someone. And they must have been close enough that they could watch some of the proceedings. And then they wait until everybody leaves. And then they come. And then notice what they do. For all the things that, that aren't presented to us, the one thing that it lets us know is they come and they somehow gather around Him in some sort of circle. Why would you do that? I would say the reason why they do that possibly is to pray. It, it doesn't tell us why. But we don't see them coming and, and trying to lift Him up. But they were indeed doing something when they could have done nothing. 
In fact, that would have been much safer to do nothing. Why? Because Paul had just been stoned for his beliefs, the same beliefs that they have. And I believe it's clear that that these are the believers from Lystra. So it could have included this paralyzed man that was healed earlier in chapter 14, along with some others that, that Paul and Barnabas had been ministering to. And yet, instead of consider, of, instead of being scared about the cost, they consider the cost and they say, no, we're going to go and we're going to su- support and we're going to possibly pray for our brother Paul. And then as they gather around him, look at what it says. It says that he just, he just stands up. He just stands up. And many commentators believe this is getting to be during the night hour. So no doubt, maybe even stands up and he says, hey, Where's dinner? Hey, let's let's go on. And notice w- where he goes after this too. He gets up and he enters the city. That that doesn't make any sense. That's the wrong direction to go, Paul. Just go straight to Derby. Why why would you go to the city? Well, maybe for one because he just got stoned, and so possibly he's hurt, and so they need to tend to his wounds and and he needs to rest a little bit. Also, too, because it was incredibly dangerous to travel at night. But I believe even more than all of that was his care for the body. He wanted to remind them that God's grace is sufficient. And that even though they might run into trials, know that they will run into trials, that they will run into persecution, that the Lord will be with them. That God's grace is sufficient to get them through. Just as He had got him through that very day. And so we see clearly that, that, that we should do something. And I think we, we see this in all sorts of other areas, do we not? A parked car. Have you ever tried to, to turn and move a, park, a, a car that, that isn't moving? You just give it a little bit of, of a push and get it going. Then it's so much easier to turn than, than trying to turn it when it's just sitting there. For those of you who like to play tennis, you recognize that, that as you continue to play and play and play, you'll see it when the, when the pros play. What do they do? They're always kind of dancing around, jumping, moving back and forth, trying to keep their feet moving. Why? Because if they don't, their feet will become like cement. And then they won't be able to move from one spot to the next on the court. It's the same in snowboarding or skiing. You get to the top of the mountain. At some point, what do you have to do? You have to point your board down. And as you point your board down and get speed, it's easier to turn. And in much the same way, the Lord doesn't want us to just stop and give up. He wants us to continue to pursue Him. Even when things don't make sense and it does not seem easy. And how encouraging for Paul to know that even though he's hardly spent any time with these believers, that they were standing by him and they were continuing to seek the Lord. But let's try to think about this for today, for, for, for you and for, for me. No doubt none of us are, are, are going to run into a, an angry mob that's going to come after us with rocks. Right? And, and try and try to stone us. We, we don't live in an environment in a culture like this today. But I would dare say that the rocks that will be thrown at us are more figurative rocks. It's going to be more words that people throw at us. 
as we stand up for, for someone, for something that, that could be construed that no, that is understood as incredibly exclusive. What do you mean Jesus Christ is the only way? That sounds a little bit intolerant. Well, that is what Jesus says, and that who is that is who Jesus is. He is the only way. And so those might be some of the stones that are thrown at us. And yet we can take courage this morning as we look at how the Lord goes ahead of Paul. And we clearly see that that we need to expect trials. And when the trials come, that we need to do something. That we need to keep moving forward. But we also see this. We need to be willing to invest in others. As we see this so clearly in verses 21 to 22, and Paul and Barnabas on, on this journey. Very interesting. After they had preached the gospel to that city, the city of Derby, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Why is this so interesting? Why is this so incredibly challenging? Because look at this map. And and notice how they could have gone. See, See, they're in Derby. And they could have gone straight. They'd say it's about 150 miles from Derby to Antioch. And all they'd have to do is go over a mountain range, the mountains of Taurus. Then they'd get to Tarsus where Saul is from or Paul is from. And so no doubt he would have friends there, family there. That would be easy, right? And then it's just a small little boat ride. And remember what boat rides were at this time. This was not easy. In fact, if anything, this was probably ten times more difficult and ten times longer of a journey that they decide to go on. Why do that? Why risk all that? Again, as I said earlier, because they saw the need to to do this, to invest in others. Because they wanted to see the spiritual development of the believers and all the different spots that the Lord had brought them to. And so we see that they decide, okay, we're going to go back. Even though it doesn't make that much sense, even though it's longer, even though it's harder. You know what? They weren't so much concerned about their own comfort and ease as they were about the spiritual development, the spiritual and maturity of the believers in all of these cities. And so we see that, that they invest in these believers in in several different ways. Here in, in these verses, we see in three particular ways. And each of these ways seem to, to, to be pointing to the fact that at some point they are going to run into persecution. That just as Paul has just run into persecution and been stoned right in front of their eyes, that that is going to be their future. And so as a result, what, what, is, what do they do? Well, they strengthen them, they encourage them, and they warn them. They strengthen them, not, not so much talking about strengthening their, their physical bodies, 
No, they're not there long enough to do that, nor are they concerned so much with that as they are concerned with strengthening them spiritually. This has the idea to make someone stronger or more firm, giving them a a greater commitment, a greater resolve to remain true. And in this context, it's to remain true to Christ, to not turn to, to not cater into what everybody else is saying and, and what others are telling them to do and say, hey, just recount. Just don't keep following Christ and, and go back to the way it was before. And so he strengthens them. They strengthen them in that giving them resolve. Encouraging them in their commitment. And then they also encourage them to what? To continue on in their faith. That is the next thing that we see them challenging these believers, investing in these believers with. Continue on in in your faith means to persist. And in some nuance, it it actually has the the other meaning of, of what we see in John 15 about abiding in Christ. That's what He's encouraging them to do. That they are to abide in Christ to continue on with Him. Seeking His face and His face alone. And then finally, He he again warns them of the tribulation, of the hardships that will come. The distress, the oppression, the affliction. Because they will come and, and He wants to remind them of that. Why? Because they're baby Christians. And He wants them to know, hey, this is going to happen. And and when this happens, you need to already have resolved in your own heart and in your own mind, hey, I'm not going to give up. And and that is an extremely good lesson for, for us to learn as well. Resolve now. Purpose in your heart now that that no matter what comes, you are going to continue to follow after Christ. That you are going to continue to seek Him. And do you think as Paul preached this, that as Paul and Barnabas shared this, do you think they listened to them? Oh, I would think they definitely listened to Paul. Why? Because he had just gone through this. He had lived this message. And as a result, they no doubt said, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's gone through it. If he's gone through it, then the grace of God will get us through it. And this is a tremendous encouragement And yet Paul isn't finished with encouraging the church, with even investing in the believers and the churches. As look what he does next. The next he, he tells us what we need to recognize. We need to recognize the importance of leadership. Leadership in the church particularly. As he goes back for a particular purpose and reason, not just to encourage, not just to strengthen, not just to warn, but to also set up leadership in the church. Why? Because this is crucial for the future of the church. Look at verse 23. It's just one verse. But it is so meaty and so impactful. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So we see clearly the the importance of leadership in the local church. It's so important that I believe this is one of the main reasons why Paul ends up going back. Because this is what they wanted to do. This is what they desired to do. Why? Because this is Christ's plan for His church. 
Notice that it isn't just in periodic churches that it's every other church or it's whatever church they deemed necessary to have elders. No, it says in all churches, in every church, every church that Christ has birthed, that Christ has grown up, what is what, what is the purpose for that church? That it would be led by elders. And we see that these elders are appointed. That, that Greek word actually has the idea of raising your hand. As if the body recognizes that these men are qualified. And, and there is the idea that it isn't just anybody that is grafted into this position or called into this position of, of elders. We, we know from the writings, from the epistles of Paul and First Timothy and Titus that there are qualifications for these men. And yet you might be thinking too, well, well is this new to them? Is this idea of plurality where a group of men leading, is, is this something totally new and foreign to them? And the answer to that is no, not at all. This was something that was common during this day. The Egyptians themselves, this is the way that, that they led cities. They designated a group of leaders that would then lead their particular cities. In Greek culture, it was very much the same. Elders led the city in what they'd call town meetings. And even as far as the Jewish faith goes, in synagogues, there were a group of men known as elders that led their gatherings. And although this is the first mention in the book of Acts where we see this idea of elders being appointed, this is not the first time we've seen elders. We've seen it earlier in Acts talking about who was leading the church in Jerusalem, the church in Antioch, that there were elders, there were godly men that were leading and and if we were to look at many epistles of the Apostle Paul, we would see this idea that it's not just one man leading. It's not just one man who is the Pope or the priest or the bishop or the pastor and he is the only one in charge. No, what we would see is, is this idea of a plurality of leadership is something that is talked about throughout Scripture. We, we'd see it in the book of Romans. We'd see it in 1 Corinthians. We'd see it in 1 Thessalonians. We'd see it in Galatians, Philippians. Of course, Timothy and Titus, we'd see it in the epistle that Peter writes in chapter 5. For me, what seems strange is how fast he appoints them. Because this took years in Papua New Guinea to establish. Why? Because so many of the men had more than one wife, which automatically disqualified them. Why? Because so many of them could not read and write when they first became believers, or they could barely read and write. So that, that diminished their ability to spend time in the Word and to grow spiritually. Two, the way that the structure of that, that particular people group functioned, that this was new to them to, to actually function in a plurality of leadership. But you know, that is not the case here. The reason why Paul could come back and do this somewhat quickly, and we'd have to say that, that at the, the longest he's been away from them for maybe six months, how could he then come back after these, so many of them are now baby Christians and he could appoint them as elders? The reason is because of their background, because of their engiftments, and obviously because the Lord was doing this. <laughs> that many of them, if they were Jewish, they'd grown up listening to the Old Testament, perhaps even teaching the Old Testament. And if they were Greeks, Similarly, they had grown up in a system where they saw people leading and maybe they were leading. And perhaps they were even proselyte 
Jews. So they had an understanding of, of the Torah, of the Old Testament as well. But there's something else embedded in this that is also very important for, for us to understand as we continue on this journey. And this would be more of the journey of the church, of course, that, that, that there is an importance behind the aspect of leadership. But, but don't miss this as well. This is the next lesson that, that we need to understand, that we need to see as a marker for us as we are walking along the journey that the Lord has for us. And, and that is that we are to depend on the Lord. That's seen clearly in verse 23, which we already read. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, what did they do? Having prayed and with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. What do Paul and Barnabas do? They model for the entire body what it looks like to walk in dependence upon the Lord. How do you walk in dependence upon the Lord? You pray and you fast. They didn't want to do anything without seeking the Lord first. And so what do they do? And it's hard to know if it's talking about the entire body spent time in prayer and fasting or if it's just Paul and Barnabas or if it's all of them. Or if it's just the leadership to, I, I take that all of them are doing this. That they're all seeking the Lord together. So that they, then they can call these men to be the leaders of these particular churches. And so that's what they do. They, they pray and they fast. When was the last time you fasted? Have you ever fasted? If we as a body... As a church said, hey, you know what? We are going to designate a certain Saturday to pray and to fast and to seek the Lord together. What would you think of that? Is this just for something in the book of Acts? Or is this something for us today that we should be doing? Again, the idea here, not just that they prayed and they fasted, but then look at what they do at the end. They commend them to the Lord. Again, I believe it could mean both that they commend not only the leadership to the Lord, but they also commend the very church to the Lord. Why? Because they recognize that Paul and Barnabas are no longer going to be in all these areas. They recognize that it is all about the Lord. And so they need to entrust this church to the Lord. And we need to do the same. Yes, the Lord has given leadership to RBC, but we need to entrust ourselves, this church, to the Lord. Walk in dependence upon Him, seeking His face, just as they were doing in in the model that is presented to us. And the lesson that that we must follow if we don't want to get off the, the path that the Lord has for us. We need to entrust our very lives to the Lord as 1 Peter 4.19 speaks of doing. The final lesson that we see this morning is this. That we must testify to God's goodness. And that, I I mean testify to God's goodness about the future. Recognizing that God is good and because of that, you can trust Him in the future and you can testify of His goodness looking back, which is what they do as well. Look at verses 24 to 28. So this is after they've, they've gone back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and, and they've appointed elders in each of those churches. 
and left them, commended them, entrusted those churches to the Lord. And they can then go on. And, and look at this. This is so awesome. Then they, they passed through Pisidia and came into Pamphylia when they had spoken the word in Perga. Remember Perga? Perga is where they went in the, in the beginning of this journey. And they just travel right through Perga and then go right to Antioch. Maybe possibly because it was at Perga that Paul got malaria. We, we don't know. But in any case, when they started, they did not preach the gospel there. But when they come back, they do preach the gospel there. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that they finished well. Because they wanted to do everything that the Lord had entrusted them with. And so they they don't leave any stone unturned. And they preach the word in Perga. And then they went down to Italia. And, And that's the port city. And from there they sailed to Antioch. From which they had been commended to the grace of God. Notice how Luke phrases that. From which they have been commended to the grace of God. That is the secret weapon of this missionary duo. You know why the Lord uses them so much? It's not because of them. It's because of this. Because of the grace of God. It was the grace of God that was working in and through them. It was the grace of God that was motivating them. That was helping them. That was even keeping them from harm's way and allowing the Apostle Paul to stand up after being stoned when all those that were there just assumed that he had that he was dead, supposing to be dead. That, that means that, that they were supposing something that they were wrong about. It wasn't so much that he had some sort of miraculous resurrection. They misjudged it. He wasn't dead yet. And, and what is that? That is the grace of God going before Him. And then look at this. For the work that they had accomplished. Man, how many of us can say that? That we actually accomplished what we set out to do. Whether that's projects on Saturday at the home or something bigger like this. That is too pointing back to the grace of God. If they were able to finish this first leg of their missionary journey, it is because of the grace of God. And that is what you and I, what we must stand in, in the grace of God. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, notice that that church is singular. It's speaking of the entire church as one body, as one unit. This was their sending church. This was the church that sent them out. So so when they come home, they gather the whole body. They don't want to just invest in the leadership of the church. They want to be a blessing to the entire church and and they want the entire church to be a blessing to them. So they gathered the church together and they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Why? Because it would take a long time for them to recount all that God had done. And they didn't want to sell it short. They didn't want to sell the Lord short. And, And notice who is being emphasized. And then instead of them talking about how many converts they have, how many times they were stoned, how many times they came close to death or, or this or that, right? They're, they're putting God on display. They're letting them all know this is all about God. This is God's work. This is what He has done. All that we are are His instruments, His vessels. And, and we should... Be of the same mindset. That everything should be about giving Him glory. Think about what whatever temptation or hardship 
or opposition that might stand in the way of you doing what God wants you to do this morning, from accomplishing His will. And then look at what we've seen the Apostle Paul and Barnabas do. Is God's grace not amazing? Is God's grace not enough? Indeed, it is enough. What we need to do is we need to trust Him. And we need to see that He's not finished with us yet. Philippians 4, or Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14 says this, and let me close with this. Not that I've already obtained it, or have already become perfect. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What did he recognize? He recognized that it was the grace of God strengthening him, empowering him. And so instead of looking back, he looked forward to say, okay, what are you going to do next, Lord? That needs to be our mindset. That we might give Him all the glory. Let me wrap things up with two points to ponder. Things to consider this week. Consider how these Jews from Antioch and Iconium, they they made Paul their enemy when he was actually from the same faith that they were. Who might you be making into an enemy who is really on your side? Ask the Lord to reveal to you people you are treating as an enemy who really are not your enemy. That the Lord would rather have you lavish grace upon them in forgiveness. Number two, consider how far out of the way Paul and Barnabas travel to go back and encourage and strengthen the churches in Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They travel hundreds of miles out of the way. How might the Lord be challenging you to step outside of your comfort zone and go and minister to believers? who truly need spiritual care right now. And the Lord has you in your particular place just so that you can be a blessing to them. And what it would take is for you to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. Perhaps that's what the Lord has. Perhaps maybe what the Lord has for you this morning is, is He's pricking at your heart. He is continuing to challenge you that, that perhaps what He wants for you is for you to become a missionary. For you to follow the ways of Paul and Barnabas. And to be involved in some sort of cross-cultural ministry or some sort of ministry that's all about the gospel. Watching lives change as you step out of your comfort zone and follow Him and watch Him work. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do. We bask in Your wonderful grace this morning. We thank You for how Your grace is displayed on the pages of Your Scriptures, Lord for the testimony of of Paul and Barnabas and how you went before them, how you strengthened them, how you encouraged them and how they were able to encourage others. We pray that that would be the same for us. That you would use us in the lives of others and that we would be able to see your grace being manifested in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Hey, thanks for being with us today. 
It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.